How is everyone? If you're in the back three rows, either on the left, my left, or the right, or here, can I ask a big favour of you? Can you move forward and fill some of this block of chairs just there? Thanks, Rena. Anyone else? If I could have, I don't know, what do you reckon? Two dozen people willing to move forward a bit, fill that space. That would be absolutely great. If you've got your Bibles, if you can turn to Ephesians chapter 1, that would be great as well. We're living in a, a now and a not yet kingdom, aren't we? We're living in a kingdom where there are great promises for us, for healing and for miracles and for God's grace to be displayed and yet we also live with days of pain and days where we're mourning and we're crying with those we love. And that seems to be, they're they're the days we're living in. We push forward praying, Lord God, would you heal the sick? Lord God, would you do miracles? And yet we also live with the pain of those that don't get healed. But the Word of God encourages us to keep going and pressing into the things of the Kingdom, expecting to see things that maybe we've not seen as a church for many years, expecting to see healings, to see transformed lives, to see things that maybe the hospital can't sort out, but our God can. And that's, that's the sort of now and not yet that we live with as a church. That's the kingdom that we're part of. I saw a terrible sight in the summer. It chilled me to the core. I've been receiving counselling for the last three or four weeks And they said, what might help me get through this difficult sight that I have seen is if I shared it with you. So are you you ready to witness some of the worst living conditions that have ever been seen? There's no one under 18 here, is there? Because it may be too much for you. Are you ready? If the PowerPoint is working... I would like to display some of the living conditions that our young people were living in at New Day. Now, if any of the young people that were living in that tent are here, (laughs) is anyone sort of bold? Does anyone sort of um, notice any of their possessions in there? Anyone, anyone brave enough to stand up and say, this is me? <laughs> is, there, is there anyone else here that was in that tent? Or are they... <laughs> you know when we say before New Day, don't worry, we're going to look after your children. They're going to be perfectly safe. Um, apologies for that, it was 
And our tent was next to that one. We were, we were quite concerned. We thought it should have been impounded or something. Um, but uh, anyway, actually we did have a great time at New Day. Just got a picture of all the young people at the end of New Day. They all survived. So, and uh, that was a point when it wasn't raining. So, uh, which, was, which was excellent. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1. The plan for this morning, and it's uh, Vision Sunday, and in the second half of this morning, the the, uh, aim is to talk about where we're going as a church, what we're going to be focusing on over the uh, coming months as we go through this term and we go into um, 2011. But before we do that, I want to set a solid, strong, biblical foundation. Because it's so important that we understand the Bible. Not, not just in a sort of a superficial way, but in a way that shapes our lives and we can build upon and we can rely upon when things get difficult. Because it's when times are difficult and times are hard that we really find out what we believe in. That's like the refiner's fire that comes in and all of the dross and all the things that we're not really building on, they get burnt away and what is left are the things that we're really building our lives upon. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and we're going to read from verse 11. Ephesians is an amazing book of the Bible. If you've never read it before, read it. And then if I could say again, please read it again and again and again because it will will shape you. There is truth contained in here that can see you through the most difficult and challenging times. It says, In him we were also chosen. In Christ Jesus we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who are the first hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. These verses um, take a bit of grappling with. Some, Some truth in the Bible is just like on the surface and you can go along and you can pick it up. And it does you good. Other truth, like these verses here, is more like you need a shovel. You've got to dig them out. It takes a bit of work to quite understand what's being said. But when you grasp it, it's something solid within you. Let's pray for God's help. Well, that's what I want to do anyway. Lord, I pray that you would give me great grace this morning to communicate your word effectively. Lord, I pray would you uh, help me to unpack the amazing truths contained within these simple, well, within these difficult verses, but in a sense, simple truths. Help me to communicate them in a way, Lord, that we can be stronger in our faith on the back of this morning. Lord, I pray as we look to the future as a church and all you're calling us to do, that you would give us great grace for that. Lord, I pray would you uh, empower me energise me, help me this morning and help us to be hearers and doers of your words. Amen. In the first half of the preach, 
I want to break this section of scripture. It's just verses 11 and 12 actually that I want to unpack but I want to break them down into sort of four phrases. Four sentences or sub-sentences that are there and just look to explain what they mean and uh, help apply them to our lives in a practical and real way. So the first phrase that I want to look at is this. In him we were also chosen. In him we were also chosen. These six words, um, all of them have got sort of relevance. All of them have got um, something to say. They're, They're words certainly for me that anchor me in difficult times. The first thing I just want to highlight is that, can you see that this is past past tense? In him you were chosen. So anyone here who knows and loves Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, there was a time in the past where you were chosen. It's not you're going to be chosen soon or you may get chosen in the future. You have been chosen in the past. And do you know who it is that chose you? Yeah. God chose you. In eternity past, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, it actually says, before the creation of the world, you were chosen. So before this earth even existed, before it was spinning around the sun at however million, million miles an hour it spins around the sun, before any of that happened, God chose you. He knew you. He knew you. And he chose you. It's quite remarkable if you think about just human history and everything that has happen, happens in human history. Just think about your own salvation story, maybe. How was it you came to be a Christian? Who was it that you spoke with? What were the circumstances that led to that point where you had that conversation, where the Gospel was explained and you accepted Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Just think about all the different points and parts that made up your testimony. Before any of that, God chose you. He pre-decided on you. Maybe your relatives, your mum and dad, your grandparents or your great-grandparents. Maybe you've got an interesting family tree. God's pre-choosing of you overshadows any, any of that. He chose you. An eternal decision to pick you to include you, to draw you. With all the complexity of life, with your free choice. Do you know, God still chose you, although you've got free choice. God's pre-choosing of you stands firm and unwavering and what anchors you into that is the fact that it's in Him. Those first two words in verse 11, in him, in Jesus Christ. What anchors you into God isn't isn't just your effort. 
Or maybe if you keep coming to church or if you maybe subsidise that with the odd prayer meeting. Or if I read my Bible a bit, this is what anchors me into God's choosing. No, it's the, f- the fact you have been included in Jesus Christ. Now I know for many of you, you, you know these things, you are familiar with these things, but I do not, I'm not apologising for reminding you again, because it's truths like this, grand, big truths like this, that sustain you when everything else lets you down. God chose you. And it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a lottery ball that popped out of a machine. Oh, poor man. Oh well, hopefully I'll get more lucky next time. He chose you. Isn't it amazing? He knew you. He knew what you'd be like, your character. He knows all all things about you. And he says he didn't choose you because you are some amazing person. He chose you in spite of the fact you're not. Because he just decided to love you. He just said, Liz Purseglove, I'm going to love you. You don't deserve it. You can't earn my love or my affection, but God just said, I pick you. And it's the same for every single person here who knows Christ. It's wonderful. God's pre-choosing of you stands firm. He has chosen you because he wants to bless you and do you good. In him we were also chosen. And by the way, it says we were also, because there's so much other good stuff Paul has already written about in the first nine verses, ten verses of Ephesians, he's saying, oh by the way, you were also chosen. Having been predestined according to the plan of him. Do you know that God makes plans? The old PowerPoint's struggling a bit today, isn't it? It looks like it may not make it round to the next turn each time the button's pressed. Do you know that God makes plans? Do you know that? He does, doesn't he? Do you know what? You're in them. Have you ever thought of that? God makes plans and you're in those plans. Every single one of you, you're in his plans. You're in his thoughts. It means he's thinking about you. It means he's got purpose for you. He has predestined. Now, predestined is an interesting word. It's not one we use in everyday conversation, but it is a central truth that is described in the Bible. And the the ultimate, or if you want to sort of uh, make predestination, if you want to explain it in its sort of most basic or raw forms, what it means is this, is that God chooses ultimately where you're going to end up, whether in heaven or in hell. That's what predestined is in its most basic sort of raw form. God chose you for glory and for heaven. That's a big truth. Right back, eternity past, he picked you. With all the complexity of life, all the different things that barge in on you, he chose you and he has a plan for you. For some of you here today, you came in this morning and you felt like you were carrying a three-ton weight on your back. 
And to be honest, life often feels like that to you. You carry a whole sense that I don't really fit in. Don't fit in here. I never fitted in with my family, maybe. At some point in the past, your parents said, we didn't actually want you, or you weren't part of our plans, or you interrupted our plans. Or you've just felt, whether it's work or school or college, they all seem to fit in, but for me, I'm always trying to be in. Before your parents ever decided, God, your Father in heaven, decided. Even if you weren't part of other people's plans, you were always part of his plan. His predestining of you overrides any human decision, whether deliberately made or made in error, it overcomes. It goes over the top. It comes round the side. It goes underneath because our God is sovereign and our God is mighty. And the amazing thing is, it's not that we don't have free choice because the Bible says we have free choice and yet God is sovereign. And how do they work together? And I don't know. But God says both are true. And when the storms of life come in and the waves feel like they're going to overwhelm us, what holds us firm is knowing that God chose me and he has plans for me. He can sustain me in the most difficult times because my God is mighty, stronger than any other. He's the one. And it's truths like this that need to come from our heads right into our hearts because we need to walk them out in our lives in our college places, in our workplaces, with our families, when thoughts come into our minds saying, no one loves you and you are unimportant to everyone, it's a lie, it's not true. Because God predecided, And it's what he thinks that is ultimately more important than anything or anyone else. What the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords thinks, that is what is important. What he has decided needs to shape our lives. Let me encourage you, church, let him shape your life and his thoughts about you shape your life. He then goes on to say in Ephesians chapter um, 11, the second, second half, according to the plan who worked, sorry, having been predestined according to the plan of him, of God, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Do do you ever make plans, but they don't happen? I do. I normally get cross when they don't happen, as I want them to. You know, I make plans, I want to go here or do that. I've got in my mind, maybe at the start of the day, you've got all these jobs you want to get done, but for one reason or another, it's beyond you, you you just don't get to the end, and and it can be a cause for frustration. Do you know, our God, he makes plans. But nothing can interrupt his plans. 
Because he not only makes the plans, he has the power to bring them about. Nothing can thwart our God's plans. And do you know what his plan is for your life? It's that you would be conformed to his purposes. You see, God's plan for us actually isn't lots and lots of personal happiness. He's not against us being happy. He's not against us being satisfied in God. But that isn't his ultimate goal for us. His ultimate goal is that we would be conformed to his purpose for our lives. And it is to that end that he works. Let me read those words to you, just in case you think I'm making it up. That we're predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. God has a will for this church, he has a will for our lives and he is is committed to working out his purposes in our lives. And when we co-work with him, it's a joy and a blessing and we know faith and strength and grace. If we resist him, he will work us in us anyway. Whether it's difficulties or circumstances or other ways, but he will get us to where he wants us to be because he's our loving father and he knows the best for us. He has a much better idea what is good for us than we do. The new people carrier that Ferrari have just designed is not necessarily the best thing for me and my family in bright, dashing red. And however much I set my heart on it, God knows what is right for me and my family. My my ambition should be to find out God's will for my life, as it were, and most of it, by the way, is laid out in the Bible, don't need prophetic words for it, we just need to read the Bible and understand it, and be conformed to the likeness of his Son and conformed to the purposes that he has got for us. In Philippians it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who works in us to will and to act according to his good pleasure. It's it's amazing, God's got these plans, he's sovereign, he's in control, he's all powerful and yet he then says, come follow me. Come work with me. Come co-labour with me. Walk with me. Work it out with fear and trembling. Make sure, make sure it's a priority in your life to be following me. When we gave our lives to Christ, we didn't just get a saviour, we got a Lord as well. If he's not your Lord Monday to Saturday, he's probably not your saviour on a Sunday. It's easy, isn't it, relatively though, to come and I'll worship you on a Sunday. And you know, as Alid and the band led us so well into God's presence this morning and we can exalt him and we can lift his name up high. But Jesus can say, come follow me be conformed to my purposes for your life. Yes, come worship me. Come worship me on a Sunday, but actually, hey, the conformity of your life to my purposes, that is worship to me as well. Monday through Saturday. Be transformed.
And then that last phrase in these two verses. In order that we, who are the first hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. The amazing truth contained here in Scripture is that God's glory is tied up to our lives. Our lives are to display his glory and his goodness, individually, but also corporately together. God's got to plan both together. The letter to the Ephesians is a letter written to the church speaking about the magnificence of the church. God's plan. In order that we, who are the first hope in Christ, might be for the praise of of his glory. In the Old Testament, before Jesus, Israel were God's people. They were his chosen people. They were the ones that God had placed his favour upon. But since Jesus Christ, it is now us, the church, who are God's people. He has chosen through us to display his glory and his goodness and his grace. And it's amazing, isn't it? As you look around. Actually, you guys can just look at me, I'll look at you. But to think, what, through you? God's going to be displayed? It's like, yes! Because God's at work in us to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Every story of a changed, healed life, every story of a restored, broken soul gives glory to God. And whenever we come together and people see our unity and love for one another, the praise of his glory is magnified. You see, the more diverse we are gathered here, the greater his glory. It's brilliant to hear that I think um, Alex and Esther had had a little baby just last week. And yet we've also got some very elderly folk with us as well. It's great we've got people from different nationalities with us, different financial backgrounds, different educational backgrounds. It's brilliant because as we come together as one new man in Christ, God is glorified even more. Because out in the world that doesn't happen. It may happen in little pockets, but here in the church, that's what it's to be like. It's something special. It's something to be protected and guarded. We don't just want a narrow bandwidth of people. We're looking for for a reflection of people that reflects Hastings for the display of God's glory. That's what we're about. God loves to bring the diverse together. And as you look around, you may think, oh, when you say diverse, but he loves to bring the diverse together because he is glorified in it. He is glorified in it. That's why every unresolved dispute, every Christian who's turned their back on Christ is so sad. It sort of nullifies the cross. It causes God's amazing plan to be dishonoured. God's good purposes. When I'm overwhelmed... When I'm facing sickness and it hasn't been healed. When I'm facing death. 
when God is causing me to face overwhelming odds, truths like these, that God chose me before the earth was created. It anchors my soul. It gives me strength to face the difficulty and know I've got a loving Father in heaven who will never let me go. I find these truths shape me as a man and therefore it shapes my family and it shapes my perspective of the church. See, because if God's got plans for you, he's got plans for us. Agreed? If God's got plans for you, he's got plans for us as a church. Good plans to do us good. Here in Hastings, and I think you'll all join with me in this, but can I list some things that I'm passionate about? Would that be alright? Yeah? I want to list some things I'm passionate about because I think you're passionate about them as well. And if not, I'm sure you'll you'll soon come to my way of thinking. I'm passionate to build a vibrant, Bible-shaped, faith-rooted, spirit-filled church. Would you agree with that? Oh, no, no, I've got to get bigger buy-in than that on this one. Do you agree with that? Yeah? Passionate to see that built. We want to see individuals' lives changed. Yes? Yes. We want to see communities transformed. By the power of the gospel. Because nothing else changes lives like the gospel. That's what we want to see happen. And we feel that God, over the last 12 months, has been shaping us and uh, highlighting to us three areas that we feel we need to focus on in this coming season. It's not that they're always going to have this priority, but at the moment we're in at the moment, these are important things for us to focus on. The first area is community groups. Now many of you um, were with us back in June where I spent three weeks preaching through what community groups are, how they're going to work. It was sort of like foundational teaching. If any of you missed those three weeks, please either download them from the website or go to the resources there at the end of the meeting and um, ask for a copy of them on CD. Because they're sort of foundational. They will fill in gaps. If you're thinking, I'm hearing lots about community groups but I don't know what they're about please, in a sense, do a bit of homework. Catch up, because you missed some lessons. Is that all right? Yeah? Catch up, and it will help. It will fill in the missing gaps. We've also been doing workshops and different things, and the plan is that we're going to pilot either three or four community groups, which are going to be launched on the 10th of October. So in four weeks' time, we're going to ask the uh, representatives of the three community groups to come up here and they're going to explain what they're going to do. And one of the uh, defining factors in community groups is they're to be mission-focused because we want to take all the good stuff that God has done in our lives and take it out there. Because it's great gathering to worship God and this is, that's a key thing as well for us, but it needs to be taken out. Because there are so many people, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lives, who do not know the gospel. They know nothing about a loving saviour who is passionately interested in them. And so we are transforming our midweek church life into community groups 
The first step of which is these three pilots which we will launch on the 10th of October. I know that uh, there are many others in the church who are also passionate about different things at the moment and I know Natalie is working with you with a view to launching more in the new year. Preparing you, getting you ready to go into the new year. I know some of you are looking at community groups but you haven't told us yet, myself or Natalie. If that is the case, you need to get in contact with Natalie. Natalie, could you stand up please? Natalie's coordinating community groups on my behalf. Natalie's job is to make me look good in all these things and she's, I think, generally doing pretty well at that. So if any of you are running with a passion or a burden with community groups, please contact Natalie. Go and get her after the meeting. Start talking to her about it because we want to shape them. We want to make sure that they are well launched, that they are well led and they're following principles that we feel God has given to us. Over the course of the next 12 months or so, we are looking to transition everyone from, communi- from small groups into community groups. That's where we're looking to go over the coming months, which we will, as I mentioned in June, do sensitively and supportively, but we feel God's calling us. God's calling us to reorientate our diaries around the lost. He's calling us to trust him. As Matt Partridge was talking about, gather the jars, gather the jars together in the house and then start pouring the oil and see how much God will fill to overflowing our labours and our endeavours as we look to reach out. Because God's got plans for us. Probably if we've got one thing that we know we must make work over the next 12 months, it's these community groups because they're important for community, as in a church. 350 people on a Sunday is all very well, but you can't really connect with people. You need to do it in smaller groups, which community groups are about across the town, but we also need to take the gospel out to people who do not yet know Jesus. So community groups are going to be a big thing over the coming months. They're going to get a big, big focus. We're looking to send committed minorities to communities to see them changed. Uh, A a Christian book called Invading Secular Space said this, it's an observable reality that the world is constantly changed by committed minorities and not apathetic majorities. I want you to seek God for a passion for the lost and throw yourself into it. It's not that we just wander in, we get a passion, we get a heart to see people who don't know Jesus reached. Let me ask you, if you you feel saying, I just don't feel, I don't feel anything at all at the moment. Let me ask you, start by praying. Maybe start by fasting as well. Get hold of God in a serious way. Oh dear. Time is running by. Secondly, Sunday mornings. Community groups and being dispersed in the community is very important, but there is nothing like the church gathered on Sunday mornings. There just isn't. It's it's amazing when we come together. Now I know some of you are thinking, no it's not. You need to repent then. 
the church gathered together is amazing. God's people look around. I've already spoken about diversity, but just look around. It's wonderful. Where else would you get such mixed backgrounds coming together and it's an opportunity to encounter the living Saviour? The one who chose you before the creation of the world. This is an opportunity to meet with him, to be transformed. It's an opportunity to grow in our understanding of what God's word says, but also be transformed through it. Do you know, we believe that when the gospel, when the word of God is preached, it's not just information you're gathering in your head. We believe the Holy Spirit is evident to change your life. You get to hear from God. You get to refuel for the week ahead. I know many of you face difficult circumstances in your lives. This is an opportunity to encounter the living God in a way that you probably won't do any other point of the week. It's an opportunity to use your gifts, your abilities, your energy to glorify him. Do you know that people become Christians on Sunday mornings? It's good, isn't it? Their eternal destiny is changed when they gather with the saints and they see you worshipping. It's probably with some of you best they do see rather than hear. But when they see you worshipping God, there's something about the tangible presence of God that grips them. It's not, I've mentioned it before, it's not uncommon for visitors to um, be emotionally um, affected when they gather to worship. Not because there's something, anything particularly amazing about us, but there's something amazing about our God. Amen? I think there's been some sort of thing about, is it Keep Sunday Special? A long time ago, I think, they, they, there was some campaign, wasn't there? I think it was about the uh, uh, shop, shopping and stuff or whatever. And, and, and that's, that's okay, that, that's fine. But I, I think we've got to keep Sunday special in our hearts. We've got to prioritise Sundays, they're important. If you're finding that they're just a bit mundane or dry and drab, um, and, and one, one thing you could say is, well, maybe as elders, you know, we need to change some things and spice it up a little bit and do some things different. And, and we, we seek God earnestly that we keep following him. But actually I'd say what you could do which would make a bigger difference to you is to seek God and come prepared Sunday by Sunday. If you go to bed late on, Sunday night, on Saturday night after watching a horror film, do not be surprised if you turn up Sunday morning and find it really hard to meet with God. Because your, your soul is just not prepared. Your preparation for Sunday morning starts on Saturday night. Men, come and pray with us. Every Sunday morning, 7 o'clock, if you want to prepare for Sunday morning meeting, it starts 7 o'clock with us. Come and pray. Prepare yourselves. It's an immense, it's an amazing privilege. And the, the thing is as well, as we are better prepared in ourselves, it has an effect on us corporately. Because you're not only blessing yourself, you're going to bless your neighbour as well. An expectation and a faith for what God will do. It was great to see Fiona's, you know, the pain gone in your finger, Fiona. I would love to see the day when there's half a dozen testimonies of healing when we pray for people on a Sunday morning like that that it would be commonplace. We need to be hungry for these things. Not complacent. Come prepared. These, these are three things I've got for you for Sunday mornings. Come prepared. Come to serve. Come to encounter God. Come prepared. Come to serve. 
come to encounter God. If you're a member of this church and you're not serving on a Sunday morning, can I ask you to prayerfully and seriously consider joining a serving team. Even if you're really involved elsewhere, just once every four weeks, get involved with a serving team, make a difference to our Sunday mornings. Make them better. And lastly, one of the main reasons we've invested so much in this auditorium is because we want to make our Sundays better. And I've noticed a difference in our worship over the last three weeks as we've slowly got more and more of the technical side together and as we're gathering and we're getting used to it, it's changing our Sunday mornings. It's not that alone, it's not just physical, but as Matt Partridge said last week, the physical environment does have a big effect on what happens as we gather together. And so with this auditorium refurbishment, we've done a number of things over the last uh, few months. We've changed the planning, so we've reapplied for planning and that's all been approved, I think. Um, (laughs) And it's been paid for. We've divided the space of this petition through here, which is a structural wall ready for whatever we do in the future on the other side of that wall. There's big lumps of concrete now in the floor, there's a steel frame and a steel beam across the top, it's a load-bearing wall ready for whatever we do in the future. If you've seen the plans that Robin has had out of maybe the mezzanine floor, things like that, we're getting ready for what God's got in the future, as well as enclosing this space for when we worship Sunday by Sunday. We've upgraded our PA, and I don't know if it's been mentioned publicly. Simon, can you stand up, please? You love this sort of thing. Simon has been amazing. His commitment to make this work, I don't know if he's had sleepless nights, but I know he has been here for hour upon hour upon hour when the sound won't come out on the speakers on a Saturday night, it can cause um, much worry and concern. And he, he has just been working, planning, working with the subcontractors. He has done amazingly well. So we've not replaced everything, but we've replaced some key things and we've reused some other stuff. Um, but we've invested in the PA, which will take us forward for some time into the future. We've invested in lighting as well. So we've got more white light here so that you can see what's happening on the stage, which, depending on who's preaching, is a bonus. But, but it's good that you can see. We've got some coloured light as well, which we're not fully using yet, just to help with the ambience of the meeting. But all of that is new. All of that has been done. All of that has been paid for by yourselves. £63,000 last April along with general giving into the building fund that I know a number of you are committed to faithfully giving every month into the building fund. But that still leaves a few things left. If you're over in that section, can you just have a look at your feet a little bit? Over this thing, no, you, no, no not, not, don't look at me, look, look down at the ground, just down there. What's the carpet looking like? Horrendous? Horrendous? You've got brilliant eyesight, Santino. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not too good. We've still got some stuff to do. We need to replace the carpet. Now, the amazing thing is that God has provided the money that we need for the carpet. Someone is giving us approximately £30,000 to pay for the carpet to be taken up and replaced. Now, that's the grace and the goodness of God to us, isn't it? 
Yeah? We've received about half of the... We've received about half the money. We're waiting for the other half to come in so that we can do that. So we've got the money. Um, when that comes, we can then get that done. We've got drapes on order and they've been paid for to go over the top there and something across the back here. That's been ordered, that's been paid for, that will be installed by the end of the month. But now all of you, if you could just have a look at what you're sitting on. I think our claim to fame is we have the most uncomfortable chairs in any church that I've visited in the last 12 months. I feel very guilty when I see some of you trying to drift off in my preach. And I know the only thing stopping you from drifting off into a coma is the chairs you're sitting on. I mean, I bet you didn't know I was so caring. And so that leaves us one last thing to do and this auditorium will be finished. And that's to replace the chairs. And so also on the 10th of October the same day that we launched the community groups, we've got a gift day. And I would love you to seek God, prepare your hearts and come ready to give generously so that we can replace the chairs. By the way, we're happy when we replace the chairs. If you guys want to take a green chair with you, it's like a memorial. It's like, this is where we once were. You can have it in your front room or have it in your bedroom. You know, they've served us well for 20 years. But don't take them yet because we haven't got the new chairs. <laughs> On the 10th of October we're having a gift day because we want to finish what we have started. I'm amazed at how much we've got done in 12 months but I would love to finish it before Christmas. And I'd love us to have an offering, a gift day on the 10th of October to help cover that. help finish off the auditorium and also have it as a, in a sense, a thanksgiving offering. Is it getting darker? <laughs> You're getting darker anyway. <laughs> but have it as a thanksgiving offering to God. We're not... We're not going to set a target or anything like, anything like that. We've done that in the past. I just want to ask you to pray, seek God and come and give generously. And in response to all of his goodness, all of his grace. There was a verse right at the beginning of September when I took over the leadership from Nigel that I've prayed through regularly. It talks about having a wide, flat path before you and that our ankles will not turn over. And when it comes to the auditorium, I really feel that's what God's done for us. We didn't plan last September being where we are now, but we are. God's grace has led us this way. And on the 10th of October, I would just ask you, come and give generously. We'll see what God provides. And then we'll look to use the money to finish this off and to display his glory and his goodness. It says in Genesis 26 verse 12, Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. I think over the last 12 months God's been very good to us. I reckon we've reaped about a 30 fold. Next year I think God's got more for us. Why? Because God has chosen to bless us. Plans in history's past to do us good 
and too prosperous. Let's stand and we're finishing prayer. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your faithfulness to us. Let me raise our hands. Lord, I pray for my dear brothers and sisters who are suffering at the moment. I pray for your comfort and your grace to flood in upon them in this season. Lord, as a community together, we come with such gratefulness to you for all of your blessings. Lord, money provided, lives transformed, great baptisms back in July, just so many good things that we can just say thank you to you for. Lord, as we look forward into the future and all you've got for us, because you're going to bless us and do us good, we say, Lord God, we come with an expectancy. Lord, we buy in to what you've got for us. We buy in on Sunday mornings, Lord. We say we buy in with community groups, Lord. We buy in with the uh, gift day on the 10th of October, Lord. We, we just say, Lord, we're so grateful for your blessing. We want to get stuck in. Let our lives be worshipped to you. Thank you for your grace, your goodness, your love to us. Be with us over this coming season. I pray for a greater harvest over the next 12 months than we received over the last 12. I thank you for all of your blessings. Thank you for Nigel and Claire in Berlin. Lord, just from us, a little seed planted to see a great city changed. Lord, would you do that again and again and again? I pray, would you replicate that in Hastings and Bex Hill and the surrounding towns and villages? Oh God, to you be the praise, the honour and the glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Excellent. Let's meet together tonight to pray at 6.30. We'll get hold of God and see what he wants to do with us. Have a great afternoon. Enjoy the refreshments, the tea and coffee, and uh, chat to some of you after. Thank you.